Well, bless the Lord. Amen. When we say Jesus is in the midst, well, the Holy Spirit, which aspect of Jesus are you talking about? You see, if you, if, if you don't ask or look for or see which aspect of Jesus is in your midst, you'll question how he can meet your need. Jesus come, When Jesus comes, he comes always in three ways. The Holy Spirit manifests him in three ways. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. When you don't know the way, when Jesus is in a meeting, ask him. When you don't know the truth, or you don't know the way and the truth of the way, or truth in the way, ask him. If you don't know the way and you're not receiving the truth, you're not living in the life. So ask him. He may manifest himself to you in just one of those ways. He may say to you this morning, I'm the way. And you've been looking for a way in certain things. You might say to you this morning, I am the truth. Maybe you need to know the truth of the situation or to the truth that's behind the situation. He'll reveal it to you. Maybe you need some life. Ask him by the Holy Spirit. He can manifest himself singularly or multiply in those three ways. It can be a combination of any of those three. So when we say Jesus is in the midst and we're feeling his presence... Don't just satisfy, sit back and go, that was lovely. I mean, the praise and worship this morning was superb. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the end. Just because we've stopped, that, that's, you need to be saying, Jesus, I need you to manifest. I don't know the way. I don't know quite, I want to know the truth in this situation. I want to know what's behind. Can you reveal it to me? Can you give me more life for this week, what I've got to face this week. And I want to tell you, he's more than willing. He can't deny himself. He can't. It's impossible for him to deny himself. He withholds no good thing from those walk uprightly and ask. You've got to ask. You go to I mean, I've lost track of the number of times where Wendy has done that kind of thing in work. Didn't know what to do, how to handle something. Jesus, she goes, help. And he comes with truth. Because that's what she needs, may need at that moment of time. He might, you might need some life this morning, some more life. Ask. He won't withhold it. When you're asking, you're not focusing on your own circumstances. That's why the worship, I said it just now, the worship took up what I call, took off this morning. Because we weren't focusing on what we need, we were focusing on the need meter. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the glory of God. When you focus on the glory of God, other things pale. They, they, they just go in the background. They're still there. But that's what the prophecy says. As you come after me, I will reveal myself to you in your circumstances. In fact, it says in the, in the prophecy that your circumstances may not change. But I will change you in your circumstances. That's the first change that must come. Yes. Oh, God, get rid of this in my life. Take this out. No, God says, I'm going to equip you yes. to deal with this yes. 
and then I'll deal with the circumstance. You see, if we didn't, if he didn't do it that way around, more often than not, sometimes it's unique. He does deal instantly, but mostly he deals with us in the circumstance, so that we might grow. But not only that we might grow, that we've got something to share with other people. Yes, amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's the wonder of Alison at the moment. I mean, Alison's a wonder anyway. We cried all through all them songs this morning. Hallelujah. In the Cody Khan song, he said, Why are you waiting? And I spoke a lot about being single, haven't I? And he said, why are you waiting? And the rain said, before we even started, you are loved now. Yeah. Yeah. He said, we don't know we're loved. And, yeah. that, and that spoke to me. And then the song said, why are you waiting? This is the day the Lord has made. You yeah. are loved now. Amen. Amen. And I felt something move. Amen. 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 Are you hungry like she is? Yeah. It's only hungry people he fills. He doesn't fill people who. He fills hungry people, yeah. thirsty people. Amen. Amen? Amen. Okay. Well, if you come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> Dan's away this weekend, obviously he's not here. <laughs> We're celebrating this morning. Next weekend is a reversal. I'm away next week. I'm in Oldhampton. The church at the church in Oldhampton, one of our fellow churches that we've always had a connection with over the years. I'm up there. So Dan will be in charge next week. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5. Not next week, it's the week after. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, in case you didn't know. Two weeks' time, I'm in Oakhampton. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job you said, because I'd have set off 8 o'clock in the morning for Oakhampton. <laughs> Pardon? Read the calendar. <laughs> I know, I wrote it in the calendar. Yeah, I thought it was... Oh, well, not to worry. Dan will be here next week, and so will I. <laughs> uh, it's good to have a wife, isn't it? <laughs> Who finds a wife finds a good thing, the Bible says. She's a good thing. Oh, man, that's another topic. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 17, it's a well-known verse, but it has amazing implications. Amazing implications. 2, King, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, and you have to look before to find why it's there. All right, Alison, okay, so when you go home, not now, but when you go home, <laughs> Have a look why it's there, all right? Where you see a therefore, you've got to look at what's it, why is it there for, all right? So you back up the scriptures, back up the page a bit and find out why it's there, all right? Little, little trick to Bible studying, all right? So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reckoned himself to us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. I want to talk this morning about, and my title is, A New You. A New You. It wasn't that you were 
made a new you. You're being made a new you. Or as we say, a work in progress. A new you. What happened to Jesus on the cross has happened to you. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What happened to Jesus in the grave has happened to you. Dead in Christ, resurrected into newness of life. That is what has happened to you. Not will happen, has happened. All things have become new. It's new. It's, it's you, but it's new. It's you, but it's new. You can look at me and say, not bad looking for 58 years old. <laughs> You're wrong. You've got to count it from the day you were born again. I'm still a youngster. I'm middle-aged. Actually, I'm, it's not 58. It's, it's probably 68-ish. 65. So I'm a little bit older. It's the same you, but you're new. Amen. Yeah. If you remember nothing else this morning, remember that. It's the same Charles, but he's new. And he's being renewed. So I thought we'd have a look at someone this morning who went through that process. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 9 and we're going to see about this new you. Okay. With a new you comes a new faith. Before you got saved, before you got born again, you had a different faith. You could have been religious. You could have been brought up in a very religious church and bells and smells, as I call it. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you had no kind of religious upbringing but you would have had faith in something else. Could be your hobby. Could be your work. Could be your intellect. Could be your strength. Could be your just ability to live and make money. Or just live. You had some kind of faith. But when you get born again, you receive a new faith. Because it's still you, but it's new. Yes, thank you, Jesus. All things have become new. Amen. I'm a brand new creation. Yes, well. Now, if you don't like me, tough luck. <laughs> don't take it up with me. Take it up with the Father. Because he made me yes. new. Yes, amen. If you've got a problem with me, take it up with the Father. Okay, he's created me new. So, we're dealing with Paul, the Apostle Paul. And it says in Acts 9.20, immediately after he got saved, born again, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Now... 
Acts 22, and I'll quickly turn to it if I can get my pages to work. Verse 3 says, what, what, what was Paul in his old faith? He was born a Jew. Okay? Born a Jew. I, he says, I am a, indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamelia, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous towards God as you all are today. I persecuted the way, that's Christians, the way, that's what, they weren't known as Christians. In the first church they were known as people of the way, because Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering unto the persons both men and women. Now, this is what he says further over in Philippians 3, 5, 6. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, when most people talk about the law, they think it's the Ten Commandments. And that is the law. But it's not the fullness of the law. When he says blameless in the law, the law consisted of another 613 laws. So he was blameless and he could recite every one of those 613 laws. He knew them off by heart. He said, I was blameless. My religion was in the law. I served God according to the law. So when this new sect set itself up, I thought it was wrong, so I persecuted it. I had authority to go, to, and, to go and arrest and have put to death those people of the way, now as, known as Christians. That was my job, to hunt them down, much like the Gestapo did. In the, in the last war, when it came to the Jews, their yeah. job was to find them yeah. and kill them. Yeah. That was Paul's job. But something and someone happened to him Amen. that made him, and he was at the pinnacle of his career, just about at the pinnacle. There was one more step I think he could have gone. But someone stepped into his life. He met Jesus on the way. And Jesus got in his way. And Jesus gave him a new faith. I want to just have a little think. Just think back before you got saved. Some of you have to go back a long way. Some not so long. You know, there are some Sundays when I stand here and Charles walks in. And I look at him. I know an awful, well, not everything by any means. But I know a lot about you, don't I? We go back a long way, don't we? Now, I remember when you did have a little bit of hair. <laughs> I know what he was like before he totally committed his life to Jesus Christ. And it's a good job you didn't know him. His wife, I'm talking to you now. Isn't that right? But the transformation of where you have come from. And you shared it this morning at the front. To what you have now is only because... He met Jesus Amen. on the way. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Lovely. I knew him when he was lonely. I knew him when he was hurt. I knew him in a lot of situations. 
And every time, not every time, most times I'm meeting God, would give me a word for you, didn't he? Lift him up. Praise God. And then he met Sally. Lovely. And then children came. And God has given you everything you've ever asked for, hasn't he? In abundance. It's still a battle, isn't it? But it's a new you with new things from God. Praise God. We need to think back to what we were like. What was it like before you got born again? Terrible. I was a rat. I was a big one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was a nasty bit of stuff. You wouldn't have wanted me as a friend. Well, you do now, I hope. <laughs> well, I was. I, I, I led a double life. Everybody thought, oh, what a lovely. But I was a hypocrite pastor. I don't know what I was like. <laughs> I wasn't much caught. I wasn't, sir. And then Jesus stepped in. Amen. Changed my life. Hallelujah. In a village. In a village. I, I, I was with some girls. Well, a woman again. Going, going up to the village hall. And there was a man there. A little widow, four-headed man, this little boy, preaching Jesus. And that's the night. The Lord met me and I walked out of there, knew, I knew I was a new person. Amen. And from that yes, day, Lord. not weak, from that day, I lived for Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. I've been there. Amen. So you received a new faith. I did, I did, sir. You see, if you don't know Jesus, you're struggling with what faith really is. You can search for life. You can search for the way and you can search for the truth, but you'll never find it outside of Jesus. No, you won't. You won't. That doesn't mean your life is horrendous. You know, the hardest people to meet are those whose life is quite good. And they think, well, what do I need Jesus for? And their view of us is, well, you must have been, you need a crutch to walk... In your life, you need a crutch somewhere in your life. It's very nice for you, but it's not for me. I've met them. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they're the hardest people to reach. Yeah. Yeah. They think they're okay. Yeah. But they have an old religion. Yeah. I remember there was a funeral in here a couple of years ago, and I conducted it, and... We came back here to have something to eat afterwards and there was a gentleman in and I was told by the family that he was the fount of all knowledge. Don't get talking to him, Rob, because he thinks he knows everything. Oh. Well, that's a challenge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, okay. Okay, I'm not here to upset people. I'm stood, stood over there by the table eating a sausage roll or eating something. And he comes over and stands beside me. He said, that was interesting. I said, what was interesting? What you said at the funeral. He said, I don't, I, I, I was, I've never heard that before, that Jesus is God. I thought. But I don't believe it, he said. I don't believe it. Hmm. I said, so you've never read John chapter 1? Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Who was that? That was Jesus at his birth. He came as God in the flesh, in a human body. Hmm. I'll just go back and have a chat with somebody else, he said. <laughs> and he was gone. I think the first time in his life, I, I didn't set out to trip, you know, trip him up would be now, I'll just be myself. Yeah. But the truth hit him. Yeah, so you had. Yeah. 
I don't know what he's done with it. I hope he's come to a new faith. So Paul, Paul, he's as Jewish as they, well, he's more Jewish than as they come. You know, it's interesting. We were, Mike and I went to Israel many, many years ago now uh, on a tour. We were invited by the uh, God Channel. The God Channel people invited, well, I don't know if they invited us, but we, got, we went on the tour. And uh, that was an interesting tour. Um, and uh, uh, one afternoon we had a, like a seminar and the minister of, I think it was one of the ministers in the government of Israel at that time came to speak to us. And he kept opened his speech, thank you for coming, Israel needs tourists, please go back and tell your congregations, because it was a minister's only fraternal uh, conference type thing. He said, please go back and tell your congregations to come to Israel, although there's sometimes trouble, it's, it's peaceful, they'll be safe, and he, he was just trying to recruit tourists. So um, then he said, of course I want you to know, he said, well I'm here, that I'm not religious. And he's Jewish. He said, probably 80% of the country, Israel, are not religious. Surprising. They're not religious anymore. It's only the extreme sects there, S-E-C-T-S, there, sects, Set, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, it's only the small minority <laughs> of rabbis and their followers. They're actually followers of Jesus, uh, of the law, not of Jesus, obviously. I thought that really impacted me. And that's why the Christian channel had gone into Israel. Yeah. Because there's a whole generation or second or third generation of Jewish people who have no idea. They know their history, but they don't know Jesus. But they don't want religion either. I thought that was very interesting when I was there. And he openly confessed, I'm not a religious man, he said. I I, I don't believe in it. But when Jesus comes, you receive a new faith. You're the same you, but you've been made new. When Paul came to Christ, his priorities changed. His whole view on God dramatically changed. He suddenly realized God was not interested in you keeping the law because he knew you can't keep it. What the Father wants is a relationship with you. And that was one of my great discoveries for myself. I was brought up that you had to do this, do that, and keep this and keep that and mustn't do that and certainly mustn't do that. And I used to dread, as a youngster, I used to dread Sundays. You know, when I was probably 8, 9, 10, 11, you know, if you didn't go to church, you were chained in the house. All your friends were out in the back playing football or up the park playing football, and you couldn't go out. And, And they used to dress me up. I had this Sunday suit. You know, when I was seven, eight, little short trousers and matching jacket, and they had, the buttons were footballs. John wasn't around then. He wasn't born. And I hated, I hated this suit that I had to wear every Sunday and be dragged to Sunday school, which was boring in the one I went. They'd sit you on a seat. And they'd start talking, and I had a clue what they were talking about. And bless them, the Sunday school teacher did their best, but it was terrible to me. It might have been all right to somebody else. I wasn't interested. I was a doer. I, you know, I wanted to be out kicking the ball. I wanted to be out fighting. I wanted to be out 
scrawling up trees and upsetting the park keeper up the park and, you know, knocking the conkers off the trees and whatever else was relevant at the time. And, but you weren't allowed to. My grandmother wouldn't even turn the radio. We didn't have a television then because they, you know, they were too expensive. Very few people had television. That's going back a bit, isn't it? But she wouldn't even turn the radio on on a Sunday. True. That is true. Monday morning, the radio was on. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't like this. We're like this for six days a week, and then suddenly this strange day kicks in. And, and I'm taken to Sunday school in the afternoon, didn't go in the morning, but I was taken to Sunday school in the afternoon in this horrible suit. And the only reason I was taken, because my mother knew if she let me go on my own, I wouldn't go. I'd disappear. I'd be up the park in my suit, probably turned inside out, kicking a ball. But that so impacted me. For a lot of my life, I thought that's what it was all about. Until I met Jesus, he said, it's not about that. It's about a relationship. When you're in a relationship, the aim of a relationship is to love one another and not do things which aggravate each other. Now, there's a challenge in marriage. For the eighth time in the last two months, my wife has said the same thing to me. And it's this. If you use a flannel to wash your face and hands, put it in the washing machine immediately after. Because it's full of germs. Yes, Wendy. What did I do yesterday morning? Didn't put it in the washing machine. Didn't enter. I used a flannel to wash my face and hands. Never entered my head. I have committed the unpardonable sin. It's already been put in by yours truly. Relationship is about not doing things which deliberate differently if you forget. It's different if you forget. I'm, God, I'm just glad that God is long-suffering with me. I've got a wife who's long-suffering with me. But my Father in heaven is also long-suffering. Because sometimes I forget. I genuinely forget. Because I slip back into the old me. Paul's view on, on religion and faith dramatically changed, changes when he meets Jesus Christ. How's your faith changed you? Without condemning yourself, how has your faith changed you? You should be able to look back on your life and say, there was a day because if you can't do that, you're not born again. You're not saved. You should be able to say, that if you can't name the day, there should be, I, I cannot quite, I can't remember the date, but I can remember being taken to a, a meeting in Martinsgate School, which used to be opposite the old bus yeah. station. It's still there, the buildings are yeah. still there. Yeah. I think it's used as some kind of, is it Martinsgate? 
Do you know? Some... Yeah, they had all sorts. Of, it, yeah. It's. I think it's used by the welfare people now of so, in some form or another. That's irrelevant. I was taken there with my elder brother Andrew, and they had some kind of mission on. Now my, my father took me, took us, and he said, "I'm taking you out tonight, boys. We're going down to Barbican." I love, I've always loved the Barbican. I was there yesterday yeah. for a short period of time. Fascinates me down there. Lovely. Love it. Yeah. What he didn't say to us was where he was taking us <laughs> on the Barbican. <laughs> didn't have to put my suit on. Got, I think I probably had a pair of jeans on or whatever. A happy chappy. Chatting with Dad on the way down. Andrew was quiet. He might have been more aware than I was. Or where we, I don't know. Although he did seem to live in a strange land, Andrew, at times. <laughs> land consisting of um, cycles, you know, push bikes. He was yeah. into all that kind of stuff. Anyway, we're taken into this building, into this big hall, and there were probably about 30 or 40 other young kids there, or you know, my age and a little bit older. And then this meeting starts. And I'm sat there, and I'm not best pleased. I haven't got my suit on, so that's something. But this guy, I can't remember, I can't even describe him, I can't remember what he looked like, started, must have started talking about Jesus. And that's okay, I could sit through that, I got used to that in Sunday school. Didn't understand a word he was saying. I'm interested in the word he was saying. I just wanted to get this over and done with and I'll deal with the dad on the way back. And at the end, he did something which I'd never heard before. Because the church where mum and dad went, they were all born again believers. Yeah. Nobody unsaved ever came in that I can remember. But they had a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. He says, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. And I must remember, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, somewhere in that region, no more than nine years old, probably seven or eight. He said, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you want to do that, just raise your hand right now. And I'm sat there, and my hand went up. And I put it down, I know I'm embarrassed. I, don't, I, I had no choice, my hand just went straight up. And I can remember accepting Jesus Christ Lovely. as my Lord and Saviour. And I went home, and the next day, obviously my dad was witnessing what was going on. Never said a word going home. Got in the house, had something to eat, went to bed. Mother never said something, and that was a miracle. <laughs> next day... Through a just ordinary conversation, I was remember it now. I was playing in the hallway, doing something, probably playing football in the hallway, doing something. And she was out in the kitchen at the back of the house. We had a big, large yeah. house back then. And I remember saying to her, "Jesus is better than gold, Mum." I think she nearly dropped the dishes. <laughs> She said, what do you mean? I said, Jesus is better than gold. I said, I've given last night I gave my life to Jesus. And she, I don't know if she cried or what, or she was certainly quite taken up with that, obviously. That is the point at which when I look back, I got born again. Yeah. Yeah. But I made a mess of my life after that. That's another story. But Jesus never left me. No, never. I had a new faith that I didn't understand because I was young. I was not in a church that could explain it at my level. They had a wonderful depth of faith themselves, yeah. the older people, wonderful yeah. teaching. I never understood a word of it, but they couldn't reach me. And if you're not being fed, you will fall away. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I did for many, many years. 
but God never left me. That's right. So Paul, he's been persecuting the church. He, he's, he's been a naughty boy, but he's got a new face. Now with a new face comes a new fight. But Saul increased in all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Before he was persecuting Christians, now his words are in effect persecuting the Jews, astounding the Pharisees and the scribes. He's got a new fight in his life, a new spiritual warfare that he didn't have before, a new way of living. He's fighting to grow in the Lord, to love Jesus, to understand him. A fight, and it's a fight to walk with God. The minute you accept Jesus Christ, there will be an opposition to you. And very often the opposition isn't always from people, it's very often internal. Where my old way of life, my old way of doing things, tries to stop me from moving into the new me that's within me. Now, I'll use this as an illustration. This screen, the outside black bit, represents me. All right? The old me. It's black because I was dead in trespasses and sins, practicing them openly and everything else. All right? Jesus comes into my life. The white bit is like the Holy Spirit within me. Okay? Now, what happens is this. Every day, even now, I get up in the morning, there's a battle. The battle is the Holy Spirit wants to break out through my life. My old life wants to keep the boundaries and keep him squashed within me. The battle is who's going to win. I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to break through my borders through what I think is right, through my self-righteousness, through what I think I deserve, that the life that's within me comes out. That's the daily battle. But praise God, it's not a daily battle that I fight on my own because I can't make it on my own. The Holy Spirit within me says, I will empower you on a daily basis to break through the borders you've put on your life. And sometimes they can be borders of, I'm not going to get hurt again. Sometimes they're borders of insecurity. Sometimes they're borders of, I'm not worth anything. Whatever your borders may be, it's different for every one of us. But the Holy Spirit within us wants to take this life and break out. And that's what Paul's experiencing. When, I, when he stands up and starts to preach Christ, he's got a congregation of Jewish scribes and Pharisees, very intelligent men. He's got a congregation of people who say, hang on, mate, you took my relative to the lions. You were a zealous Jew. You were this high up in the order and now who are you to stand here and tell us this? That's the battle we face. But it's still you, but it's a new you. The problem I have, I I was at another funeral, I didn't, of of a plumber I used to work with, um, but just before COVID. And quite a few of the old plumbers on the company, I used to work for the council, 
there was quite a few other plumbers there that I used to work with. Oh, you know, guys my age and a little bit older came to the funeral just as, you know, I don't know, we go to funerals, don't And immediately they look at you, they know what I was like yeah. before I accepted Jesus yeah. as my Lord yeah. and Saviour, yeah. or recommitted my life to yeah. Jesus. They knew what I was like before I ever became a pastor of a church. Yeah. I know what I was like yeah. before I accepted Jesus, yeah. but I know that I've been forgiven. Amen. 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 They struggle with that. Yeah. You were just like one of us, Rob. Yeah, I was. But Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. But Jesus. It's a new fight on. So, Paul, God takes Paul to one side. And it says in Acts 9.23, after many days were passed, Paul is taken to one side by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus. Now he knows all 613 laws. He can recite most of what we understand is the Old Testament. And yet God says, you know nothing. Now I'm going to retrain you. And it says, after many days, actually, we haven't got time now because time's gone faster than I thought. Many days was three years. Three years of training before God said, you can go again. One of our biggest problems is we think we're ready. We think we're ready. So, he has a, a, a new faith, he has a new fight, he's now going to get a new family. The other apostles and Christians in Jerusalem are suspicious of him. They remember his old life of killing Christians. So when Paul comes to Jerusalem, nobody there wants to deal with him. Nobody there is, a, is prepared to welcome him into the fellowship because we know who you are. Well, God's got a plan for his life. And when Paul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And so we get a new family. Barnabas goes to Paul and says, come with me. I'll speak on your behalf. Barnabas believed what had happened to Paul. And he introduces Paul into the fellowship of the other apostles and disciples on that day. And Paul confounds them by his speech, what he preaches and how he preaches. But a new family, Barnabas sets out to bring this alien man into the fellowship. Barnabas is the only one out of all the Christians of that day that's prepared to go out on a limb for Paul. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you went out on a limb for someone that this world has written off? If Barnabas hadn't gone out for Paul, it would have been a different story. Paul would never have written and achieved what he achieved. But God spoke to Barnabas, I believe, and said, go, bring this guy in. When I look back 
I am so grateful to the kind of people that were around me at times that saw in me something greater than what I really was. We're very quick to put people down, even as Christians. We're very quick to write people off when God has said, I've got a future and a hope for them. Amen. Wow, well, they don't, they don't preach what I preach. They don't believe quite what I believe. I can't mix with them because, you know, they believe you're going to go halfway through the tribulation and I believe we're not. Well, and, and, but I don't mix with them over there either because they believe it's at the end of the tribulation. And I don't mix with them because they say there's going to be no tribulation for the Christians. I just, no, I'm not interested in mixing with them. You just might be stunting someone's spiritual growth. There are certain things which we can agree to disagree on. But we can't disagree with fundamental doctrine. That's not negotiable. But other things like the second coming and other issues are negotiable. I believe Jesus is coming again. People say to me, which group are you in, Rob? I'm in the group that says Jesus is coming back. I am. I'm not dismissive. I know all the reasoning. I know all the arguments. But I'm not prepared to go down that road. Because the word says he's going to surprise us anyway. Because no man knows the day. And, and I remember an old pastor, and John would know I'm talking about now, an old pastor, he spent years and years and years and years researching, trying to find the day. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, the end of his life, he came to and he said, got it wrong. No man knows, except the Father. Jesus doesn't even know, do you know that? Yeah. Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. The Father knows. But are you willing to go after others? And then God has got for Paul a new future. He's got a new future for you as well. Because it's the same you, but you're new. There's a new day. Let me just say this. God's will is different to God's when. God's will for your life is one thing, but when that kicks in is a different story. I know God called me way back, but for 13 years, every day when I traveled to work as a plumber, I knew God had called me into some kind of ministry. I thought I was ready. And after 13 years, I still wasn't ready. But God equipped. So God's will is one thing. You might know what God wants for your life, but don't be impatient for the when. It will come. It has to come. There will be a day when you will walk in that will of God, whatever that may be. If you try to make it happen before, you'll fail. That's right. This city is littered with Christians who tried to make God's will bring it into today when it wasn't their day, their moment. Had they waited, their moment would have come. But they didn't. Paul is taken aside with all his intellect, with all his understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. God says, this isn't your when. I'm pulling you to one side for three years and I'm emptying you out and I'm going to refill you with my presence and my teaching.
so that you will go in my name. You'll not worry about what other people think Amen. about you, what other people try to do to you. And in his case, they, it, it was immense what they tried to do with him. He said, the sufferings I take, my body is beaten, my body is broken, but I count it all joy for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If I can be associated with the broken body of Jesus Christ, he says, oh, I'm more than happy to go down that road. It's a different way of living. Let me ask you, I'm not going to finish my notes. How many of you are hungry and thirsting for what's promised in that prophecy? How many of you are hungry and thirsty for what God has said to us in this prophecy? Because if you are, you'll, change, you'll have a changed yes. life. Yes. Yes. Your eyes will be off your circumstances yes. and on what God's doing. Yes. And when your eyes are off that, that creates the space for God to change yes. your circumstance or to alter it or to keep it the same but change you in it. Amen. How hungry and thirsty are you? We're... 10 months, 11 months in to this prophecy. How hungry are you? I want to tell you, that's not the prophecy, it's something else. I've got it here in the front somewhere. Here it is. The promises in here are so rich about what he wants to do. But as he found your heart to do it, Or are you still living with the boundaries, your boundaries that you've placed so far and no further, Jesus? I love you in here. I've given my life to you. But you're not crossing my boundaries. You're not breaking out in my life. I'm going to stay in charge. Or are you saying, God, I want this. I want what's contained in this prophetic word. I want to see my life differently. It's the only way to live. It's the only way that will bring peace and satisfaction into your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else gets added to you. Everything. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Maybe you've never gone, never done that. You're missing out on life. You'll struggle to find a way. You'll be searching perpetually for a way. You'll be searching for truth. What's truth? Turn the television on. I don't know what to believe them or not believe them. Is she going to not be the Prime Minister next week? Is she going to do another U-turn? Is there another Chancellor? Do we need another government? Do we, are we, you know? I've met the one who gives me peace. That's it. That's it. In the turmoil. Maybe you've never done that. You need to accept him as your Lord and Saviour. I'm asking you this morning, what level do you want to live at? Do you want to be you with the old you? Or do you want to be you with the new you? Yeah. Yeah. I know what I've experienced. I've experienced the new you. Oh, man. Yeah. I want to live in that, that life. Because this life is a pain. It's a pain. Yeah. It causes pain. Yeah. Causes heartache. Yeah. There's some good bits, but they're like an oasis. Yeah. The good bits come along occasionally. Yeah, true, Pastor. But most of the time, it's a struggle. But he's come that we might have life and have it abundantly in this life. Thank you, Lord. It's true. I'm not going to ask you to do anything this morning. I'm just going to, well, I am. I'm going to ask you to look at yourself. 
I can't make you a Christian. I can't persuade you to be a Christian. But what I can do this morning is ask you to look at your life and yeah. say, how content are you? Which direction is your life going in? Be real with yourself. And I can say, I can give you the answer. The only answer for your life is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you will know what I'm talking about. Because you will find that too. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.